My name is Tom Clayton. I'm the lead pastor of Grace Life Church, and uh, I'm grateful to have technologies. Uh, that's one of the blessings. Okay, we're good. We're live YouTube and Facebook now, and uh, you can go to our website if you want to follow along with the lyrics to some of these songs that we're going to sing. Uh, TJ and Kyle are going to lead us, and then we're going to hear a message from God's Word. But I just want to greet you, and I want to pray for our service. And uh, if you guys want to share that link with anybody that you were texted or that you were emailed, feel free to do that. If anybody doesn't have the church family to visit, certainly a lot of people right now are, are anxious and need the comforting truths that we're going to sing about, celebrate, and hear from God's Word. So let's just uh, let's pause and pray together, and then we'll worship God. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the promises that we have in the Word to celebrate and to sing together. And thank you for the technology that is making um, uh, just accessible, just a, a digital gathering like this. I pray that your, your people's hearts will be united. Uh, our hearts will be comforted and strengthened as we hear from you and your word. And I pray that you will be glorified all May we celebrate the risen Lord today and all of your glory and sovereignty. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God's going to lead us. So say good morning, guys. And that uh, also says there were two more guys, so they're mine. Uh, even though we're not in person, um, we definitely need to get in the spirit. Thanks. Thanks to technology. And um, we'll definitely have the comfort of being able to sing in peace and just be in the presence of God. And I just want to so just want to ask you guys obviously to worship with us. I'm 
God just praise you this morning. Just pray that we would remember that truth, Father God, as we were sitting alone, Father God, as there's some people that are completely alone. Father God, I'm just praying that you comfort them in their loneliness. We just love you. Father God, I'm just asking you to prepare our hearts for what time is going to share this time, Father God, and we just open ourselves up to your word and your wisdom, Father God, we just love you. Thank you, Al and DJ, and I want to thank the, uh, the Hendricks, Chris and Diane, for being willing to host our, our live stream feed this morning. For those of you watching at home, which is most of you, uh, we're getting back some text that maybe the YouTube version is, there's an echo or there's some distortions or that the ratio is not quite right, uh, that Facebook works much better, but I just got a text saying Facebook link was broken, so we may all be having different experiences, uh, but play around until you find the right one. And we're trying to make this as, trying to practice continuity here, make this as close to what we normally do on Sunday mornings as we can. That's why we, I know a lot of people for, for went to music, but we wanted to do that. We wanted to be able to sing together. And we also want to follow our format of the message. So I'm going to ask Melissa Appalter to come in just a second and read our scripture. Um, and you can be finding that right now. It's Psalm 23. We started this message in Psalm 23 last week, and I thought it would be good to continue. And I think that's the right decision uh, based on what's going on in, in the world right now. So Melissa's going to come and read Psalm 23, and then I'll come back. But in the meantime, you can be playing around and find the right link. You can go to our website. Um, and find the Facebook live link, the the, uh, the link right there on the website, or you can go to YouTube and figure out which one works best. Okay, well, let's see if you can read that. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint the top of your clothes. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Thank you, Melissa. Let's pray together and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, thank you again for the ability to do this. So many things are uncertain right now. I know many of your people, many of your sheep feel scattered and alone and isolated. And maybe this is the one opportunity that they've had this week to feel united with other believers in Christ, even if it's through digital technology. So we thank you for that. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, and this is no different. Lord, so many bad things happen through the internet connection, but today, uh, a lot of good things are happening. A lot of people are getting some nourishing word. And they're being taken, uh, taken as it were, hopefully, to, to green pastures and quiet, still, restful waters to be with the shepherd, to hear from the shepherd. 
And I pray that it would be no different for us, that you would open our minds this morning. I know there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear that's going on out there. And a lot of people are, are finding a shepherd because we all were made for our time. Maybe it's a, a talking head on the news channel or a voice on, on talk radio. And maybe there's just fear and panic and, and help your people, especially to turn to you and to be taken to just a serene, uh, tranquil, and peaceful place to just hear from you. Be reminded of a lot of truths they're not going to hear from the media this week. So help us to do that now. This connection to stay strong and for your people to be fed. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Psalm 23. Last week, we were able to, to just take a look at culture and really to face some troubling and unsettling truths that it seems like, in spite of all the good things uh, that happen around the world and in America, that this is the most anxious and exhausting age for a lot of people. Um, people are afraid. Mental health seems to be deteriorating. I read a statistic the other day that said one in six people are taking antidepressants, and I'm not judging them for that, but that's just a, an indication of where people are at. There's a lot of fragility right now uh, and a lot of fear. Some people are self-medicating. Uh, suicide rates are, are, are through the roof that we're, we're told that. And even though we got 12-step programs, therapy, a gazillion resources, and, and a lot of places people can go for help, nevertheless, people seem to be addicted and afraid and anxious and exhausted. And um, especially right now, with this week online, it's uh, a lot of people feel like they're death on five with all the reports that are going around with uh, the coronavirus and what that's going to mean for people in, in weeks to come. There's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of uncertainty. And with uncertainty comes fear and apprehension and anxiety. So I can't think of a better time for us to just set our mind and heart in a song like Psalm 23. Um, and if you're like me, and maybe you struggle to to place yourself at the proper uh, entrance of need. You're like, well, these are good truths for a lot of people. I don't know. I feel pretty solid right now. Well, I just want to do a little diagnostic test here, okay? So just three quick questions, and you can be honest with in your own heart about this. Three questions for you, okay? Number one, do you feel weary and exhausted most of the time? Do you feel weary and exhausted most of the time? Question number two, do anxiety and fear dominate your thoughts of the future? Do anxiety and fear dominate, like captivate and control, hold you hostage when you think about tomorrow, next week, next month, the rest of the school year? Does it dominate your thoughts? And third, are seasons of spiritual dryness normal for you? Are seasons of spiritual dryness, bareness, is that the norm for you? If your answer is a chronic yes, then I want you to know something. I want you to know that this is not how God intends for us to live our entire Christian life. In fact, his plan is much better than that. It's much better than that. And how do I know that? Because Jesus promised his followers a more abundant life. In John chapter 10, he did. And so how do we, how do we access that more abundant life? And really, what does that more abundant life look like? Well, that's what Psalm 23 talks about. And, you know, originally I had planned to preach one message on this, just one message and just hit all of Psalm 23. And as we got closer to last Sunday, in fact, Sunday morning very early, I thought, you know what, I can't do this in one message. I'm going to break it up in two. And then honestly, uh, last night I saw, <laughs> I'm going to break this up into three because the first original sermon had three points. And I thought, why not make this just three sermons? Three uh, sermons about a shepherd because we all are made for a shepherd. Guys, all of us are. God hardwired us 
to need a shepherd to find a shepherd and for shepherds to find us. And they don't always take us to green pastures like Melissa read and to still waters where we're nourished and where we feel vibrant and restored and refreshed. But we are looking for a shepherd. And so uh, the sermons in the outline go like this. What's this good life look like? Uh, point number one last week, I want to review it. It was who's got your ear? Who's got your ear? Somebody, somebody's voice is banging around in your head. Somebody's is. Maybe it's the news this week. Maybe you got a favorite go-to news source, and they're telling you the sky is falling. Right? We're all we're all hearing hearing voices. In fact, I wrote down as a summary. I just wrote down four voices that we that we often hear, and and here are those voices. The first one is panic. Be afraid. Chicken little. The sky is falling. This is terrible. It's the end of the world as we know it. Are kind of stuff, right? Uh, the second voice was guilt. Feel terrible. Feel terrible. You never measure up. You're not doing enough. God wants more, more, more. Those are two voices that we let bang around our head. Here's the third one. Self-help. Self-help. Oh, you need help? Bless your heart. Well, here, let me point you to yourself. You can crush it. You can kill it. You can be awesome all by yourself. Uh, you can be more. You can do more. Uh, so that's the third voice. And then the fourth voice is rush. Stay busy. And that's the margin in your life at all. Even if there was this quiet, still water that, that, that you're invited to come and sit beside in this lush, green, nourishing pastor, beautiful grace, on, ain't nobody got time for that. You're too busy. You got too many things to do. You haven't created safe, healthy boundaries in your life. You haven't created healthy margins in your life. Maybe you're the kind of person, and look, no judgment here. This is just me as a pastor. I encounter this all the time. Maybe you have an app where it's like a one-minute devotion, and then you're on your way. Well, I think God intends for us to have much more than that. I mean, that's not really the image you get in this song. It's Jesus calling us away to come and be with me and sit and rest and be fed and be comforted. That's the kind of truth that we see in this song, and it is possible. And that's what God has for us, and that's what God desires for us. And so that's what I, that's what I want to talk about in these, in these messages. So point number one last week was uh, who's got your ear. Listen, if you've heard this song before, and most of you have, this is probably one of the most famous chapters in the Bible. You probably heard it when somebody was sick or dying, or you heard it read at a funeral. But I told our people last week, you don't have to wait until somebody's dying to benefit from this song. This is not really about death even. It's about living. This is not the life that God wants you to have. And when you hear this song being read, the Lord is my shepherd. Maybe there's this nostalgia that just takes you back to your youth where you're sitting in a pew with your mom and dad. Um, but I believe this. I, I believe this song is so powerful because it touches a, us really down deep. This like strikes a nerve with us because we all want this. We know. We can suppress this truth that God made us to live this kind of life and to have a shepherd like this and to have a relationship with our shepherd like this. He really did. We, we all want somebody and long we have this yearning in our heart for a person, a living person, to take us to calm places, for somebody to restore our weary, aching heart, for somebody to provide for us complete safety and deep satisfaction and abiding peace because that touches you way down deep. Maybe in a place you didn't know you had. Maybe you're so hardened and, and you just pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of person. No, God made you for this. Have a relationship with the, with the living God that can look like this. And we were, we were made for this. For somebody to care for us like this. For somebody to love us like this. For somebody to be with us like this. We were made for that. Everyone watching this on the live feed right now, you were made 
for this. And I want to tell you how, how you can have this. Because listen, we're hungry, we're thirsty, we're busy, we're tired. All of us are. We're crazy busy. That's even you know, the Greek way. How are you doing? I'm crazy busy. How are you? In other words, man, I'm not creating healthy boundaries and margins to live this kind of life. So um, we have those four voices that are banging around inside our head. Um, and we are all consumers. You know, we all, we all drink stuff. We eat stuff. We're followers. We allow people to either choose or influence our path for us. And so it's really interesting in the song, after David says, the Lord is my shepherd. And by the way, that's where this all starts. All these blessings and benefits that David is going to list for us, it starts with that one confession. It's a declaration. It's amazing. The Lord, he uses the covenant name for God, Yahweh. That's the personal name for God that he used to reveal himself to his people. He said, Yahweh, the Lord, is my shepherd. Not a shepherd, not even the shepherd, even though those things are true. He's the great shepherd, but he's my shepherd. I belong to him. He owns me. I'm his. He loves me. He cares for me. I'm part of his family. That's what he starts out with. And so then he transitions into this, this Lord, Yahweh, is, is, is my shepherd. And I lack nothing. I have everything that I need. He has provided everything for me. And he takes me to these great pastures. The idea there is he nourishes me. He feeds me. You know, sheep are sheep are really helpless animals. We've talked about that. God, when he's describing our life, this abundant life, this good life, the name of this message, he doesn't say that, that we're dragons, that we're tigers, that we're lions, that we're bears, all these wild animals that are autonomous and independent. He says we're sheep. That's a humbling picture, but it's a good one because we're dependent. You know, you can, I grew up on a farm. You know what? If a horse leaves a rancher, it'd be fine. It'd be wild. And care for itself. Um, if a pig goes wild, and they do, we live in Florida. There's wild boars all over the place here, and they're fine. Obviously, they're thriving. They're everywhere, right? They're even a threat. They're doing really good. Um, but if a sheep escapes the shepherd, he will not do good at all. He'll die. His days are numbered because sheep are dependent, and honestly, they're weak creatures. They depend on the shepherd to help them. They do not have a good sense of direction at all. They get easily lost. They get easily confused. They're like a turtle. They can fall over on their back and knock it up like a cockroach or a turtle. It's a humbling picture, but it's a good one. Listen, guys, we need every reminder that God can muster that we're supposed to have them to guide us and protect us and care for us. So um, that's really what that's really what David is saying here. The Lord is my shepherd. I am the sheep of this pastor. He nourishes me. He takes me to this quiet, still stream where the, the, the rapids have been controlled by the rocks the shepherd puts out there and we can drink in this reflective, serene pool of water. But then David goes to another place. So that was the that was the first point was, who's got your ear? You need a shepherd, and he's going to be saying things to you about yourself, about the world you live in. And I was telling somebody this earlier. You know, the whole COVID-19, the coronavirus, all this news What's really interesting to me is that your worldview and my worldview, it leaks out when things like this happen. We have a worldview. The worldview is how we make sense of the world. What's the world supposed to be like? What happened? What went wrong? How can we fix it? Your worldview is how you give meaning to yourself. This is why are we here? Where do we come from? What are we supposed to be doing? And what are the threats? That's your worldview. And when a virus like this comes out, man, all of our worldviews leak. And the main thing that I hear in a time of crisis it's where people are putting their hope. Every worldview has this place of hope. 
Well, my hope is, you know what, we're all going to maybe self-quarantine, and in a matter of weeks, this thing's going to be on its way, and we'll be fine. So that's your hope. Or they're going to come out with a vaccination very soon now. You know, the, the leaders that be have put a rush on it. Well, that's your hope then. Everybody has a worldview, and you're going to find your meaning and your hope in that worldview. And it's really interesting, the worldview that our shepherd gives us here is that I'm with you. See, David goes from lush pastures, green pastures, quiet waters to this. Let me read what's next. He says in verse 3, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And then verse 4, and this is where we're going to stop for today. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Who's got your back? Somebody's got your ear and somebody has got your back. And this is really interesting to me because sheep face threats everywhere. You know, uh, a wolf could come and kill sheep. A bear could come and destroy and tear a sheep to pieces. Robbers and thieves in, in these valleys in Israel, there was a, uh, there was a threat of a robber. There was a thief. Uh, a thief could come and steal the flock or and a wild, a wild, fierce animal. But it's really interesting to me that in this, in this, David says something really interesting in verse three. He says, "This shepherd he restores my soul." I think what what we sometimes forget is that the threats to our spiritual well-being are not just out there. They're not just out there. You know where else they are? They're in here. Uh, the shepherd protects us. He has our back. And you know what? He's protecting us from everything out there. He's also protecting us primarily from what's in, in here. And that word restore in Hebrew is interesting. It's the word for repentance and turning. Did you know that? This shepherd, it, it, he cares for you at such a deep abiding level that he will protect you not just from the wolves and the bears and the lions and the robbers and the weather. Bad grass that you're going to eat or a cliff you may walk up off of, he's going to protect you from yourself because you are sometimes your own worst enemy. And he will lead you, restore you back to repentance. This shepherd will turn to you. He has these, these two things that David says comfort him. He has the rod and he has the staff. Now, the rod would be the short wooden stick that a shepherd would use to beat off a wolf or to beat off a bear or, uh, or any other threat. But, you know, he also has this staff. And the staff would be like a shepherd cane, a crook, uh, that the shepherd would use to retrieve these sheep or maybe tap them when they're going down a wayward path. And aren't we all like that? The Bible says that. We're sheep and we're wayward. We get lost easily, even in familiar settings. And you know what we need? We need a shepherd to say, hey, look, that's the wrong way. There's actually a cliff over there or there's actually toxic grass over that hill. Or you know what? That's a barren field and you're going to starve over there. Uh, the shepherd knows the lay of the land. And listen, God knows the spiritual geography of your life. He knows what's over the next hill. He knows where you've been. He knows where you're at. He knows where you need to be and where you need to get to. And you have to trust him. He knows that. He has information that you're not privy to. And you know what? He, he knows the thoughts and the temptations that are just dominating your thinking, the, the, the besetting sins, the danger that you are to yourself. Your shepherd understands that. He knows that. And David used to say he restores us, and that's a beautiful word. That's not a bad word. The word in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that's a good word. A lot of people feel threatened by that. They shouldn't. The Bible promises amazing things for people who repent. Uh, the first sermon at Pentecost, Peter says, repent so that times and seasons of 
refreshment may wash over you. So this shepherd, listen, guys, anything the shepherd does or anything the shepherd says is for your benefit. It's for your blessing. It's to help you. It's to make you spiritually thrive and flourish as the sheep of his pastor. None of these things. This is part of the good life. Repentance is part of the good life. And it's and as I thought about that, that this week, I thought, you know, this, this shepherd, he knows the sheep so well. He does. He knows each of us. The Bible says of Jesus in John 10, he knows his sheep. They know him. They hear hears his voice. And he knows them by name. This shepherd knows what each of us need. And as I just reflected on the Bible uh, and all the different ways God's people were corrected and were chastened and disciplined, whatever God had to do to get them. God called Jonah to go to Nineveh and, and preach a sermon of repentance to them. And Jonah didn't want to. He, he bought a one-way ticket opposite of Nineveh. And what did God do? What would get Jonah's attention? A strike? He said, God sent Jonah a storm. Why? To restore him. Jonah needed to be restored. His shepherd took that staff and knew exactly what to do to get Jonah's attention. And then it was a fish, right? Jonah got sent a storm. He got sent a fish. Uh, think of David. Think of David when he wrote this song. I don't know. I wish I did. I wish I knew at what point David wrote this song. Was it really early in his life when he was a shepherd for his father's sheep? Or was it much later in his life as a king when he was reflecting things that he did and how God had been a, a faithful shepherd to them? Because David his life. And, you know, he, he was a man after God's own heart. Guilty of some terrible sins, like many of us are, like all of us are at times, right? And you remember what the Lord did to correct and restore David? David committed adultery, possibly rape, we don't know. Um, and then he committed murder, and then he lied. Some people have said David, with that one act, had broken pretty much all ten commandments. And he was living a life in denial. He wasn't repenting. He wasn't turning to God. And you know what God did? God restored David. How did he do it? Jonah needed a storm and he needed a well. But God didn't send a storm and a well to David. What did he send? He sent a prophet with a, with a very gentle but pointed parable to David. And it gave and, and David heard it. He wrote, you remember? And he said, surely the man that did this, prophet Nathan, stuck his prophetic finger in David's face and said, you're the man. You're the man. The shepherd knew exactly what David needed. So Jonah got a storm and a fish. David got a parable from a prophet. And think of Peter. Peter denied Jesus. Some people believe he cursed Christ when he was confronted with, are you one of his disciples? Surely your followers, your accent from Galilee gives it away. And what did Peter say? I do not know you. And the Bible says at that very moment, said it would. And Luke's version, I believe, says that the Lord in the courtyard turned and met Peter. He locked eyes with him. And it says that Peter was broken and he went out. He went out and he wept bitterly and he repented. And, and Jesus restored him. God's our shepherd. He knows his sheep. He knows exactly what we need. Whether it's a storm and a great fish, or whether it's a parable from a preacher or a prophet, or whether it's a look from the Lord, some type of a divine intervention, and, and all of God's sheep have tested that. When you were wayward and God restored you, what did he use? What did he use? I'd love to hear your testimony. Maybe you can send that to me later. Let me know, because it's amazing. Our shepherd knows us. He knows what works. He's faithful. And you know what? That comforted David. That didn't scare David. So many people think that, you know what? It's God's going to restore me and he's going to do something to hurt me. Listen. Listen to what it says here. You restore my soul. He restores us for his name's sake. God's very reputation is at stake here with restoring you. And David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they scare me. That's not what he says. He says, they comfort me. Listen, guys, that is one of the greatest comforts we can have from this. He knows 
and he is always with us. That is an amazing promise that we have straight from the, the inspired lips of David himself. So he restores my soul. He knows the right path that you need to be on. We're sheep and we don't have that information. We know God does and he's given it to us. So not only who's got your ear, uh, but who's got your back. And, and I know this, uh, this valley that David is talking about, look at verse four. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, in Hebrew, literally, this uh, this phrase here, the valley of the shadow of death, it literally means a valley of deep darkness. The valley of deep darkness. And I, I really want this to, to, to resonate with you. So living in America in, in mid-March in 2020, um, this valley would be like your worst nightmare, okay? So whatever your worst nightmare is, this shepherd, and ultimately David didn't even have the clarity that we have. The shepherd is Jesus Christ. He said, I am the good shepherd. You have this amazing promise that the great shepherd will be with you, whatever your worst nightmare is. And maybe this worst nightmare you're living right now. Maybe especially if you have a compromised immune system or you're older, and you have a, a, just a fragile health, maybe you are living the worst nightmare possible for you right now with this virus threat. And you know what? You have this amazing promise, my friend, that God is with you. Whatever this valley is, wherever it leads, whatever path you're on, he has promised to be with you and to never leave you and to never forsake you. And man, what a what a has made that promise. God has made that promise. Who's got your back? Who's looking out? I did what all the kids did back then. Uh, I went uptown and I hung out with my buddies. And maybe some of you did too. There wasn't a whole lot to do in that town. There was a theater and everybody drove, drove the strip and we just hung out in little groups. And there was a girl who worked in the lobby of the theater. And she was a beautiful girl and I befriended her. And man, I was really hopeful that maybe, hey, maybe something's going to develop here. And her name was Robin. And I, and I really started digging Robin. You know? um, well, it turns out that Robin had a boyfriend, <laughs> and his name was Michael Wilson. Michael, if you're out there anywhere, buddy, I'll never forget this. Okay, uh, Michael Wilson was new to our new to our town. He he came from Memphis, Tennessee, and uh, he was a scary dude. He was big. Uh, he was a little bit dangerous, a little bit edgy, a little bit scary. And I didn't know, but Robin was dating Michael, and uh, somebody spread a rumor that I had said some terrible things about Robin. And one night I was up town, and I was in. A local restaurant, it would have been the equivalent of the Wendy's. And I'll never forget, Michael Wilson walked in. And I kind of heard Michael's not happy. And I remember, man, this big, looming dude, he walked into the Wendy's lobby, and he looked at me, we locked eyes, and he said these words. He said, you're dead. Now, this may be funny to a lot of people, but it wasn't funny to me as a little ninth grader. Because I wasn't physically developed yet as a ninth grader, right? I'm this little, I'm this little scrawny dude. Here's this big, dangerous dude. Uh, and he just looked at me and he said, you're dead. He picked up a chair and he threw it across the restaurant trying to hit me. And then he, he, he continued to make his way to the restaurant. And as he was leaving, I'll never forget, out the, out the front door and through the, the, the glass on the side, he looked at me and did one of these things. I'm watching you and you're dead. And he hollered, if I see you uptown, you're dead. And then he left. And I sat there in that restaurant facing the grim reality of, okay, my life's going to forever be different now. Um, and by the way, I didn't say anything. Uh, I didn't say anything bad about his girlfriend. I just said she's very beautiful, and that I would like to be her boyfriend one day. I don't know. I guess the details got skewed when they when they reached Michael's ears. But I remember that 
as, as a young man in ninth grade, that chain, I didn't want to go uptown. I didn't want to go anywhere. And you know what? My my older brother, I have, I have a brother, Tim, if you're watching, I love you forever, man. He's two years older. But man, my brother was, uh, he, was a, he was a few notches above Michael Wilson. And nobody, nobody. In fact, there was one person I would never want to fight growing up. And I was my brother. And I don't think anybody else did either. He was a scrapper. I remember my brother said, man, what's wrong with you? And I said, man, it's, it's, it's Mike Wilson. He said he was going to kill me. He said, who said that? And I said, Mike Wilson said that. He, he said, if I go uptown, he's going to kill me. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional about it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he said, Michael Wilson said that. And so I'll tell you what, you can go uptown with me. And Michael Wilson, you ain't got to worry about it. And I know, if we would have seen Michael Wilson, it would have been okay with me. In fact, I kind of wanted to see, I kind of wanted to see Mike Wilson about that time. But I, maybe, maybe you have a different story. Has somebody ever looked at you and said, look, I have got your back. And not just said that, but then followed that up with, I'm with you. You don't have anything to be afraid of. There's nothing out there that is a tangible, realistic threat to you because of me, because you have me. Uh, for me, that was my brother. But listen, guys, as, as much as I love my brother and as comforting as that was, man, that's, that cannot even hold a candle to this promise that God has made. And we have even more clarity in the New Testament with Jesus. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He gave us his spirit, the comforter, the helper, the advocate, the paraclete of grief that comes alongside us, that fills us. We have this power. What an amazing promise that David couldn't even comprehend thousands of years before. And, and Jesus said, you know, go to the ends of the earth and spread this message, and I'm with you. You don't have anything to be afraid of. You've got nothing to fear. You've got nothing to lose. You've got nothing to fear. You've got nothing to hide. So that's the kind of shepherd that we have here. Um, man, don't you love that? What a powerful truth. And I believe, guys, with all my heart, that this song actually points to Jesus Christ. Because in John chapter 10, Jesus came on the scene, and he said these words. He said, I am the good shepherd. Check this out. I want to read this. He said, I came that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. You know what that word means, more abundantly? It means the high life, not like the Miller beer, okay? It means like the true high life. Like this is, this is the plane of existence I've always intended for his people, that they lost, they forfeited. And Jesus' mission was to come and restore that by restoring you. And by giving you himself, by giving you himself. So abundant life means above. It means exceeding. It means here's ordinary, here's extraordinary, here's normal, here's abnormal. This is the more richer, fuller, flourishing, healthy, peaceful, abundant life that God has for you. Jesus said that. He said, I have come so that they may have life and have it more abundantly, just like this song. And then he said this. I am the good shepherd. I think instantly any Israelite hearing his voice would have been taken back to Psalm 23. Jesus is saying, you know that, that Lord that David had, the Lord that is your shepherd? That's me. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the shepherd that came to rescue you from yourself, from your sin. And he said, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And then he repeats it in verse 14. He goes, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And it's interesting the way that he repeated He said, I'm the good shepherd. I came to bring abundant life, and I know the sheep. Because here's our fear. Like, yeah, 
yeah, pastor, these are amazing promises, but you don't understand. You don't know me. You don't know the darkness in here. You don't know the temptations. You don't know the struggles that I have. You don't know the failures and the flaws and the weaknesses. That's right. I don't. I can only imagine because I'm a sheep too. But here's the beauty of this truth. He does. Jesus says, I know my sheep. I know everything about them. And then he still repeats, and I lay down my life for them. Isn't that amazing? If you try to wrap your mind around that comfort, that, that hope, that promise, that power, it's Romans chapter 5, verses 5 through 8. Paul says this. He said, God shows or demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were sinners, while we were weak, while we were still enemies, he died for us. He died for us anyway. He, of course he knows you. He knows what's in there banging around. He knows the darkness and the blackness and the struggles and the weakness and the flaws. But he still laid down his life for you. And he still promises to be with you. In fact, if you read in John 10, the very end of the passage, he said, he says, uh, my sheep are in my hand, and I am greater than all and snatch them out of my hand. What a comforting thought. Can I ask you a question? Can anybody else in your life make that kind of guilt edge guarantee promise to you? No, they can't. They can't. Only the shepherd promises to comfort you, to point you down the right paths, to be with you, to calm your fears, to make provision for all that you need. Um, you know, this guys, this is not escape. You're like, oh, this is wonderful. I'm in a green pasture, and there's this quiet brook. Yeah, but there's fierce enemies, and there's dark battles. <laughs> That's life, isn't it? That's America right now, honestly. For all, for a lot of us, we feel like we're walking through the darkest valley. Like it's the worst nightmare for people. And I'm telling you guys, you're not going to hear this for many news talk radio or for many cable news. You're just not. You need to hear this. You need to take yourself away. Maybe this week, turn the TV off. Turn the radio off, get your Bible, and go meet with your shepherd. And Because, listen, this is just one place. I'm so amazed at all the different ways in the Bible. God knows his sheep so well. He's so familiar with us. He knows this is not the only place they need to get this. They need it everywhere. One of my friends right now as we speak, Larry Kirk in Daytona Beach, he's preaching on Psalm 46, which is an amazing psalm. It says, um, oh, goodness, uh, God is my refuge. He is a, a very present help in time of trouble. Though the, the mountains quake and the earth be removed from its, from its place, uh, he's there. Uh, the Lord of hosts, he is with us. Therefore, I will not be afraid. Do you, do you hear echoes of the same truths here? Like the, the, the earth, though the earth be removed from its place, I will not be afraid. That's the same thing that Psalm 23 says. And it was a different author. The sons of Korah wrote that psalm. So listen. Though the earth be removed from its place, though I'm walking through the deepest valley, though coronavirus spreads and, and wipes out half the earth, guys, we have a shepherd. He is sovereign. He is good. He is wise. He knows us. He knows our anxieties. And he's going to take care of us. That doesn't mean that nobody's going to get infected. I'm sure some Christians have. have but it means this. This shepherd is offering you and I something that death can't take away. Right? For a lot of people, that's what this valley is, the shadow of death. Even if we face it, I mean, we, we will, obviously. All of us will face death one day, right? And, and this psalm is so comforting because it says it's just a shadow. I've told our people before, and I've said this at funerals, would you rather get hit by a Mack truck on the highway as a pedestrian, okay, not a car, a pedestrian, would you rather get hit by a Mack truck or would you rather the shadow of that Mack truck hit you? Obviously the latter, right? Well, that's the promise that we have as believers in Christ. Jesus took the brunt of that, of that blow, right? Uh, in fact, 
The only reason that this shepherd is able to walk with you and I through the darkest valley, and we don't have anything to be afraid of, was because he walked through the very darkest valley. He like faced pitch black darkness that we talked about in Mark's gospel a few weeks ago. The Bible says Jesus hanging on the cross at noon, uh, darkness came on Israel for three hours, and Jesus faced complete abandonment and desertion and being forsaken by his father. That's what you and I deserve. That's what our sin deserves, is being forsaken by God and his wrath and judgment being poured out on us. And listen, I want to, I want to be a good shepherd. Maybe some people are tuning in that aren't Christians and that uh, have never heard these things before. Listen, complete darkness, if you don't trust in Christ, that's what awaits you and I. This judgment that Jesus took on the cross, either he's taking it in your place, which is a promise for his sheep, or you're going to face it on your own if you deny the sheep. See, I, I think a lot of us, as sheep, we, we get so wayward, and we, and we, we want to be autonomous, and we want to be independent. Um, we, want to, we want to find our own identity and, and, and create terms of, of, of good and evil and, and define wisdom on our terms, not his. And we say, you know what? This whole shepherd thing, that's for weak people. I don't need it. I'll live life on my terms. I'm the captain of my own fate. I'm the master of my own soul. No thank you. Um, and I, I would compare that kind of life to, to a raft, okay? Like a life raft. Life rafts are probably a lot of fun, right? Before the storm comes, they are. Uh, you're on your own. You don't, have, you don't have to swab the deck. You don't have to answer to a captain. You don't have to report for duty. You don't have to do anything. You can swim. You can bask in the sun. Uh, you can row your boat wherever you want, and it's amazing. Until the storm comes, right? Uh, because of sea. You are not safe on your own. You were never intended to be on your own. That is the most dangerous and vulnerable place you could ever be, is on your own apart from the shepherd. And listen, one day the darkness of God's judgment will swallow you up. It doesn't have to. The good news of this psalm is you were never meant to be on your own, and you don't have to be. Why would you forsake and turn away from a shepherd like this with an amazing unconditional promise like the ones David talks about here? The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He knows me. He's pointing me down right paths. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. And then when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for he is with me. And how is this possible again? Here, here's the most amazing thing. I'll close with this today, okay? And that'll be enough for today. This shepherd can make these promises to us and understand us. Because you know what? Ultimately, this shepherd... This great shepherd, uh, this chief shepherd, he became a sheep. I mean, it's pretty amazing. That's the incarnation. God became a man. We celebrate that at Christmas, but that shouldn't be the only time we think about this. God became a man. The shepherd became a sheep and became vulnerable. He became killable, basically. And that's what Jesus, when he walked in the scene in the New Testament, you remember what John the Baptist said? He said, behold, the Lamb of God, who does what? takes away the sins of the world. This shepherd became a sheep, and he stood between you and the very darkest valley of God's judgment. And he said, I've got this. I've got this. I've got your back. Because I'm going to be the sacrificial lamb that stands in your place and becomes a divine substitute. And wow, he was slaughtered. He was slain. He absorbed God's judgment and God's wrath for us. What other proof do we need that God loves us, right? Um, how shall he... Not also, along with Jesus, give us all things that we need. He is our shepherd. He loves us. He cares for us. He understands the apprehensions and the anxieties that we're all facing. 
with this spread of the virus. But listen, God, we have this promise that He is with us and He's never going to forsake us, and He is right there with you and with me and wants to care for us. So I just wanted to share that amazing truth. Last week we talked about who's got your ear. Today we talked about who's got your back. And next week I want to talk about who's got your heart because this psalm is so amazing. It starts out with, with God is viewed as this amazing shepherd who cares for us, who guides us, who restores us, and who's with us. But it transitions into this amazing God is also a host, and we are his guest. And then he's God, and we are his worshipers, right? So in the beginning, he's the shepherd, and we are his sheep. And then next week, we're going to talk about he is a host, and we are his guest. And he spreads this amazing table before us in the presence of our enemies, and our cups are overflowing, and our heads are anointed with oil, and we have this promise that we can dwell with him in his house forever. So uh, that's the word for today. I want to just pause and pray, and I want to tell you, if you're watching and you are connected with Grace Life, and you have needs, uh, please connect with your community group us at the church through, uh, is it church.com? Um, and just connect with your community group leaders. We care about you. We want to help you uh, navigate any needs that you have or maybe for you. If, if you are afraid or if you've contracted this and, and you want somebody to pray with you, please reach out to us uh, and let us do that. But I'm going to call now. And I'm going to pray. And as far as we know, next week, uh, because of the school cancellations, we're going to have to live stream again. And if this has worked well for everyone, we'll probably plan to do it same place, same time, through the same uh, technology that we did today. But please go to our website, Grace Life Florida. Okay? Let's pause on this brain and dismiss. Lord, thank you so much for this day, for these truths that we can celebrate and be comforted by. And uh, I just pray that you would watch over people. Please protect us, Lord, from the virus. Protect those of us who are the most vulnerable, who are older, those who are weaker in their health, who have compromised or suppressed immune systems. Um, and help us, Lord, to abide by whatever the government is telling us to do. Lord, this is not persecution for the church. They've not singled us out. They are advising no organization, business, or place of worship to gather uh, in large numbers inside. That's that we, we don't want to spread this virus, and we want to be a witness to the world. Lord, right now, people are watching us, showing them what kind of shepherd uh, we belong to. And may you help us to look for ways to connect with outsiders, to pray with them, to share the hope that we have in, in, in Christ, the forgiveness of sins, and eternal life. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, friend. You have a wonderful day, and we'll see you soon. Check back with the website, gracelifeflorida.com. Oh, we forgot to do our chart, man. It's so funny. It's, it's okay. <laughs> man, that's so weird. Pretty yes. Uh, uh, <laughs>